And welcome to the Week 7 Recap of the 49er Way Podcast. Don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. On today's episode, we will discuss the 49ers' big win in Foxborough over the New England Patriots, and we will also look ahead to their huge Week 8 matchup versus the Seattle Seahawks, as well as we will recap other headlines and storylines from around the rest of the league in what was yet another eventful NFL Sunday. But without further ado, let's get right into the 49ers' big win over the Patriots. The Niners dominated New England from start to finish in a 33-6 beatdown, handing the Patriots their worst home loss under Bill Belichick, which has been almost two decades of Patriots football under Bill Belichick. And that was their worst home loss. That's pretty crazy stuff right there. And I know the Patriots aren't the same team, but anytime that you're able to do that against one of the best in the business in Bill Belichick, that's an excellent accomplishment. The Niners were very, very good in all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. It was just another great team win overall. And once again, resilience really showed for this football team with players in and out of the lineup. But most importantly, what a performance by Kyle Shanahan. Just another week of outclassing and outcoaching his opponent. And last week, we saw him do it against the Rams and Sean McVay and what a brilliant game plan it was. And then this week, another great game plan, just schematically, just a heck of a job. And they dropped 33 points on a Bill Belichick-led defense. That's just an incredible job. And I, I understand and I know that the Patriots' defense obviously is not the same as they used to be. But anytime you do that, that's a heck of a job. And anytime you go into Bill Belichick's building and do that good and outcoach him, one of the best defensive minds in all of football, that's an incredible accomplishment. And overall, just a hell of a job by Kyle Shanahan and this football team. And really, Robert Sala and the whole coaching staff, they were on their game and really just goes to show why the 49ers coaching staff is one of the best in the National Football League. Just an absolutely heck of a job by the Niners team overall in this football game, improving to 4-3. and three. Yeah, they're still in last place, but they're still right in the thick of things. Heading into some team notes from this football game, the Niners offense, 26 first downs on the day. The offense was doing great from start to finish, really right from that opening drive when Jimmy Garoppolo rushed and got that first down on that third down. Really from there, kind of just... That was really the momentum in the entire game, and it just never really shifted since that play in the first quarter. The Niners were 5-for-9 on third downs. Jeff Wilson was excellent on the ground game. Anytime you are, the ground game is going that well and you're not putting yourself in third and longs, you're doing a heck of a job, and that is what the Niners did on Sunday. 197 rushing yards. As I mentioned, Jeff Wilson had 112 of those. He was on fire. The Pats defense could not stop Jeff Wilson at all. Until, unfortunately, late in the third quarter, Wilson had to leave the game with an ankle injury and did not return. Very unfortunate stuff because I've been saying this for the last few episodes now. The Niners got to feed him the rock more. Jeff Wilson is really good, but the problem with this backfield is no one can stay healthy. Raheem Mostert has missed games. Coleman's missed games. Now Wilson's missed games. And it has just been really tough for this backfield to stay healthy, but... What a great job by Jeff Wilson, and it's going to be up to Jarek McKinnon 
and Jermichael Hasty against the Seahawks next weekend because Wilson won't be playing and Mostert won't be playing either. Coleman is a hard maybe, but we'll talk about that later on in this episode. 270 passing yards. Garoppolo looked good in his return overall, despite his two interceptions. One wasn't really his fault. It was a 50-50 ball near the end of the first half. But overall, Garoppolo looked great. 467 total yards on the day. That's more like 49ers football. And that is more like what Kyle Shanahan expects from this offense. When the ground game is running, this team is hard to beat. And I think everyone knows that. It's not a mystery. Doesn't matter who's in that backfield. We could put a cat back there and he could probably run for over 100 yards in Kyle Shanahan's system. Overall, just a hell of a job by the Niners offense. But man, how about this defense? How about this defense? Allowing six points, four turnovers, two sacks, just a heck of a job. And this is a pass rush that has struggled mightily without Nick Bosa in the lineup. But two sacks still hasn't been that bad. One from Dre Greenlaw, one from Kevin Givens. Did a heck of a job. Four interceptions. That is more like the Niners defense that we know of what they can be. We know they missed a lot of guys in that secondary. They still showed up and balled out. The Niners only had one punt on the day. Anytime you're doing that, you're doing a heck of a job. Six penalties on the day. Still got to clean that up. But time of possession. For the second straight week, the Niners dominated clock with 38 minutes of time of possession. Anytime you were doing that, you were doing something good. And for the second straight week, the Niners have controlled clock and won on the defensive side. They got stops and their offense was rolling. The ground game was rolling. And just another great team win overall from the Niners. On to some individual notes from this game. We talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, when you look at a stat line, you're like, yeah, you know, it wasn't that great. He was sharp. Only five incompletions on the day. He was 20 for 25 for 277 yards. No touchdown passes because the ground game was working so great. And two interceptions. Overall, Jimmy G looked good. I know people want to see Jimmy G fail because they hate him and whatever. Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. And until that conspiracy ends and we lose multiple games in a row, all right, that's great. The media, you have won your battle. But for right now, you are still losing your battle because Jimmy Garoppolo wins football games. And next week... Really, our next two games against Seattle and Green Bay, we're going to be without some key guys. Once again, we're really, it seems as if like since Jimmy Garoppolo became our starter, it's been like every week is just like Jimmy Garoppolo has to perform at a high level to prove people wrong. It's like literally the guy has been starting now for three seasons. I know he's been in and out with injuries, but still it's like, it's like every game is just a prove it game for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's it's ridiculous, but I mean, hey, by all means, whatever whatever gets the guy going because he's winning ball games. Jeff Wilson, we already mentioned, 17 carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns, left the game with an ankle injury. I hope that Jeff Wilson can heal up fast, and it looks like the high ankle sprain got him too. And boy, the high ankle sprain has really, really bitten the Niners pretty bad with a handful of players. But I hope Jeff Wilson can get well soon. He was honestly the best player on the football field in this game he was fantastic Jamichael Hasty, nine carries for 57 yards we're probably going to see him more in week eight against the Seahawks without Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert I like Jamichael Hasty. the kid's a stud and we haven't seen enough with enough of him and I think going forward we're going to see a lot more of him with all the injuries in the backfield and yeah we have Jerick McKinnon we have Jamichael Hasty, but there's one guy that we all forget that can be a running back too Kyle Juszczyk I love that Kyle Shanahan is using him more in the offense 
Four carries for 18 yards and a touchdown. I love it. Get him going in the run game. Get him going in the passing game. We know he's there to block, but get Kyle Juszczyk going in this offense. And I love that Kyle Shanahan is getting Juice more involved on the offense. I think it's just an added weapon that defenses need to worry about. And I love it. And and Juszczyk is a very valuable player to this offense. He's more than just a blocker. In the passing game, how about Brandon Ayuk? Six catches, 115 yards. I love this kid. He is just so quick, so good. And I think Jimmy G and him haven't had the opportunity to gain a lot of chemistry really since they worked out back in June. And of course, they had their times in training camp as well. But because Ayuk didn't play week one, and then Garoppolo got hurt week two, and then of course week five, he just didn't look the same. So they needed time to gain some chemistry. Week six, they didn't get that much going. But then last week, they really got it going. And they're going to need that more than ever going forward, at least for the next two weeks, because Debo Samuel won't be playing in those games. Speaking of Debo Samuel, five catches for 65 yards on the day. Unfortunately, Debo Samuel also left with an injury to his hamstring. He will miss this week's game against the Seahawks. And because the Packers game is on a Thursday night, he is most likely going to miss that game as well. Hopefully, he will be ready for Week 10 versus the Saints because we, boy, do we need Debo. He just adds a whole other dimension to this offense. George Kittle on National Tight Ends Day, five receptions for 55 yards. Anytime Kittle's on the field, he's making an impact. On to the defense. Marcel Harrison, Tarverius Moore got the start in place of Joukowsky, Tart, and Jimmy Ward. And man, they were great. They were all over the field making plays. Marcel Harris got a lot of playing time last year when Tart was injured in those last four or five games in this, throughout the season. And those were very valuable reps for Marcel Harris because those were huge games against the Saints, the Ravens, the Seahawks, down the stretch there. So Marcel Harris has been there before, and so has Tarverius Moore. He had the interception in the Super Bowl. So both of them have been there before, and they balled out in place of our starting safeties. How about Fred Warner? I mean, this guy, I feel like... He is the guy that is keeping this defense afloat right now. With all the injuries, without Richard Sherman, without Nick Bosa, Quan Alexander, D Ford, the list goes on. Fred Warner is the leader of this defense. I mean, every time you see tape of this Niners defense, you're seeing number 54. He just pops off the screen every time you see him. And it seems as if every single Niners game I've watched so far this season, the announcer is talking about Fred Warner. And praising him as being to the extent that Fred Warner is in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year this year. Tony Romo called him the best linebacker in all of football. Chris Collinsworth was praising him in the two Sunday night games we've had this year. Fred Warner is getting a lot of love as he well should be. Fred Warner is an elite player. He has developed into that leader for this football team. And they've needed him more than ever with all the injuries happening on this defense. And he came up with a huge interception in this game, really, to get the whole turnover party started. Jamar Taylor, it played in place of K1 Williams for, I believe, the second or third straight game. Man, he was great. Two interceptions on the day. Emmanuel Mosley, another great game for the secondary with, a, with an interception at the end of the half off Cam Newton. And Dre Greenlaw and Kevin Givens had sacks. This secondary is balling. I know they had their blunder against the Dolphins in week five, but obviously that was because Mosley was hurt. 
Witherspoon was hurt. Sherman was hurt. And obviously they were down to Brian Allen in that game. But now, Emmanuel Mosley's back. Jason Verrett is playing at a high level. This secondary is playing at a really good level. And I can't wait to see their matchup next week against DK Metcalf and Tyler Locke. And we'll talk about that in a bit. It's going to be a heck of a matchup. Unfortunately, the trend continues where the Niners, just for some odd, unlucky reason, can't escape a single football game without an injury. And of course, in this one, Debo Samuel, we already mentioned, left the game with a hamstring injury, will miss the next two games. Jeff Wilson left the game with an ankle injury, and he will go on injured reserve as well. Jimmy Ward, Joukowsky Tart, they missed this past week's game. They Their status is to be determined, so we will see how that happens throughout the week. If not, Marcel Harris and Tarverius Moore were fantastic. Tevin Coleman, he's been on IR since week three. It's a hard maybe. Kyle Shanahan said we'll see and we'll test them out and see how that goes for this week. So, you know, the injuries haven't been too bad this week, but some key players, Debo Samuel, Joukowsky Tari, Jimmy Ward, all tough guys. Hopefully some of them can get back soon. Looking ahead to week eight. What a game. I mean, especially after last season when the Niners and Seahawks played, those were two of the best football games I think a lot of us have ever seen. They were high intensity, crazy entertaining, down to the wire, week 17 with the one seat on the line, the division on the line, the Niners haven't won in Seattle in seven years. It was crazy. And then the week 10 game, Seattle playing the Niners who were undefeated at the time, I was kind of hoping Seattle was going to beat Arizona last week and be undefeated going into this football game so the Niners could be the first to beat them. Unfortunately, that won't happen. But who says we can start a losing streak for Seattle? Seattle's still a very tough team. Russell Wilson's still playing at a high level despite him throwing three interceptions against the Cardinals. But the one way we're going to beat Russell Wilson is if this pass rush steps up. They are the one thing on this defense. The secondary is playing at a high level. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are playing at a ridiculously high level. This pass rush needs to step up, and I'm going to call out Eric Armstead. You got a huge contract in the offseason. You're a captain on this team. I have hardly heard your name all season. He's got to step up in this football game. But this whole D-line, DJ Jones, Javon Kinlaw, Kerry Hyder, the whole squad, they got to step up in this game. Because if Russell Wilson gets time to throw... And he gets time to run, oh boy, we're going to be in some trouble. I already mentioned our matchup between our secondary and Metcalf and Lockett. That's going to be a heck of a matchup. But if Russell Wilson had to worry about one guy on this Niners defense, Fred Warner. I think it's going to be an excellent matchup to see. Is Russell Wilson, how often is he going to look for Fred Warner on the defensive side? How is Fred Warner going to look at Russell Wilson's eyes? Is he going to run or pass? I think that's going to be a great individual matchup. Who steps up in the backfield for the Niners? Jeff Wilson went down. He will miss this game. Mostert's not going to be playing in this game. Tevin Coleman, we're not sure. So is it going to be Jarek McKinnon or Jermichael Hasty or Brandon Ayuk? Who is it going to be that steps up in the backfield? The way Kyle Shanahan's been coaching lately, I know he'll have something up his sleeve and I can't wait to see what happens there. And obviously, lastly, can the Niners move the ball effectively without Ricky Mostert? Debo Samuel, and Jeff Wilson. Those have been the three guys in the past two weeks that the Niners have really relied on to move the football. Kendrick Bourne is most likely going to start and play to Debo Samuel. Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty are probably going to get majority of the carries. 
It's going to be really interesting to see what Kyle Shanahan has up his sleeve, but I'm really looking forward to this game. And if this game is anything like it was last year, get ready. It's a big one. The Niners are 4-3. and three. Seahawks are still in first despite their loss of 5-1. and one. And then the Rams and Cardinals are sandwiched in between at 5-2. and two. The whole division. The Niners are right there. The Niners win this game. They're now tied for first. That's how quick that that can go. And this is really a momentum-shifting game here in this football game. Seattle needs this win to stay atop the West. The Niners need this win to get atop the West and even have a shot. I mean, I don't think any of us really even thought the Niners had a shot at the division this year, but they have a legitimate shot to be in that conversation with a win in Seattle on Sunday. It's going to be a great game. I can't wait. Shanahan, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson against this defense. Man, it's going to be fun. I can't wait for that one. Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a big game for him. Without Debo Samuel, can he be able to deliver with missing guys on offense? Can't wait for that one. The O-line has been great the last two weeks. They're going to need to step up too. Can't wait for this one. Going on to week seven, storylines from around the league. There were some good ones. The Pittsburgh Steelers took on the Tennessee Titans. Battle of the Undefeateds. The Steelers prevailed by knocking off Tennessee on the road 27-24 and handing the Titans their first loss of the season despite another late comeback from Ryan Tannehill. But the Steelers held on after Steven Guskowski missed the game-tying field goal from, I believe it was 48 or 49 yards out. Man, that is tough for the Titans to swallow. But how about the Pittsburgh Steelers? 6-0. Tennessee lost that game, but they proved they are still a pain in the butt to beat. And the Titans are going to be there in the postseason for sure. The Detroit Lions beat the Atlanta Falcons at the buzzer 23-22. Another late game comeback for Matthew Stafford. And yet another blunder by the Atlanta Falcons in a game that they should have won. The Falcons just find new ways to lose. I mean, talk about a way to be creative and innovative. The Atlanta Falcons are your team. They just find creative ways to lose football games. I don't know how they managed to do it. They messed up an onside kick against the Dallas Cowboys early in the year. And now Todd Gurley scores a touchdown when really... He meant to go down at the two-yard line. I have never heard of something like that before. Now, if you, if someone is listening to this and they don't know what has happened, basically what happened was this. The Falcons had the ball around the 10-yard line. I don't think the Lions had any timeout, so all the Falcons needed to do was kill clock, kick a field goal, call it a day. Instead, Todd Gurley broke the seam, tried to go down at the one-yard line, but instead crossed the plane by accident. He scored a touchdown by accident. I said that correctly. And the Lions had time on the clock, went down the field, scored a touchdown, won the football game. Crazy stuff. Falcons dropped to 1-6. and six. Lions go to 3-3. Three and three. The Cleveland Browns got back to their winning ways by beating the Cincinnati Bengals late in that game. 37 to 34 Baker Mayfield five touchdowns in that win and improved to five and two however the Cleveland Browns did lose Odell Beckham to a season-ending torn ACL injury tough one there for the Cleveland Browns having said that I think with Kevin Stefanski this is a run first offense 
And when they get Nick Chubb back, I still think this team is going to be able to be in the wild card conversation. And hey, the Browns are 5-2. and two. That is still very good, especially coming off of getting their butts kicked by Pittsburgh a week ago. The New Orleans Saints prevailed at home versus the Carolina Panthers 27-24. No Michael Thomas, no Emmanuel Sanders on the day, but the Saints still found a way to hold off a scrappy Carolina team to improve to 4-2. and two. The Buffalo Bills beat the New York Jets on the heels of Tyler Bass, the kicker of the Bills, Tyler Bass. Scored all 18 points for the Bills in this one. The Bills did not score a touchdown, but they still came out with a win because the Jets, yeah, they just stink. And the Bills improved to 5-2, and two, coming off of two very tough losses to the Titans and Chiefs. I don't know. I, I'm st- The Bills are 5-2. and two. They looked really good in their first four games. Didn't look that great in their last two games. And then, I don't know, not being able to score a touchdown against the Jets? Eh, I don't know. We'll have to see. The Bills have some tough ones coming up. They got New England and Seattle, their next two games. Big ones there. They got a chance to put the fork in the Patriots season on Sunday. And the Patriots, they have been ruling the AFC East for years and years and years. This is Buffalo's opportunity to really finish it. Big opportunity for the Bills at home on Sunday. The Washington football team defeated a beat-up Dallas Cowboys team 25-3. to Another tough day at the office for Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. Andy Dalton had to leave the game with a concussion. And with that, Ron Rivera's club, Washington, stays in the thick of things with the win in the NFC East. They go to 2-5. Dallas drops to 2-5. The NFC East, I just, I don't know. Each and every week, it just continues to surprise me. They always have something up their sleeve. But man, the Cowboys... I, I hope Andy Dalton's okay. I do because I still think that they have a lot of talent on the offense and defensive side to be able to have a shot. They got a massive one against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night football. The Green Bay Packers got back to their winning ways after dropping 35 points on the lowly Texans after getting their butts kicked by the Bucks a week ago. Devontae Adams went off for 196 yards and two touchdowns and the Packers improved to 5-1. and one. Speaking of those Buccaneers... They went into Vegas and dismantled the Raiders 45-20. Another huge day from TB12 as the Bucs go to 5-2. And, and right now, they look like the best team in the NFC. They look like the team to beat in the NFC with Seattle going down. Green Bay's 5-1, but the Bucs owned Green Bay when they played them. And Antonio Brown hasn't even hit the field yet. It is crazy. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at least right now, Look like the team that we thought they were going to be. The Kansas City Chiefs took care of Denver in a blizzard, 43-16, and improved to 5-1. The Chargers beat the Jaguars 39-29. Justin Herbert finally got his first win as an NFL starter. Much deserved. The Chargers have gone through a lot this season. They've lost a lot of games. They should have won. Nice for them to get back in the win column. The Arizona Cardinals. What a game this was on Sunday night. Handed the Seahawks their first loss of the season, 37-34 to in overtime. Despite Cliff Kingsbury freezing his own kicker in overtime, the play clock was running down. Kingsbury didn't realize it. One of the assistant coaches saw it. They called a timeout. They froze Zane Gonzalez. He missed the field goal. The Seahawks thought they won. DK Metcalf scored a touchdown to win the game. Seahawks go to 6-0. Wrong. A holding call was called. They caught... They got called back and Russell Wilson throws an interception, which sets up Zane Gonzalez again. 
and he this time does not miss kicks the game winning field goal what a wild one even just just breaking down that last sequence was wild that was one of three interceptions on the day for Russell Wilson Cardinals go to 5 and 2 Hawks fall to 5 and 1 Arizona now goes into a bye week Seattle hosts the Niners next Sunday and on Monday nights keeping it in the NFC West the LA Rams get back to their winning ways by sending the Chicago Bears back down to earth with a ugly 24 to 10 win on Monday night, both teams are now 5-2. and two. The Bears didn't look good. They didn't score an offensive touchdown. The one touchdown they scored was a fumble recovery and a touchdown. The Bears looked more like what I thought the Bears would be. But the Rams, I don't know. It wasn't that impressive, but it was still impressive. And the Rams are still a good football team. So that was it from Week 7 headlines in another just crazy week. Looking ahead to Week 8 headline games, there are some good ones coming up. Steelers-Ravens, easily the headline game of the week. This is going to be awesome. Steelers 6-0, Ravens 5-1. This one is going to be fun. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to in this football game. And I'm going to stick it with this. Pittsburgh 6-0, they don't have much to lose. But a big win against a divisional opponent would be huge. For the Ravens? They need this win badly. Last year, they couldn't beat the Titans. This year, they got smacked by Kansas City. They need a signature win. Sure, you look at the Ravens' record. Yeah, they're 5-1. They got Lamar Jackson. They signed Des Bryant this week. And, you know, they, they got a good defense and whatever. They haven't beaten anyone that good. They can get in the playoffs and get knocked out in the first round. They have got to beat Pittsburgh on Sunday. That is going to be a wicked game. And if you know football, you know that the Pittsburgh Steelers hate the Baltimore Ravens. And this is one of the craziest rivalries in football. And when their teams are being this good, 6-0 and and 5-1, and you know this game is going to be crazy. Can't wait for that one. Nance and Romo should be on the call for that one. Patriots at the Bills. This is a big game too. Buffalo coming off of their ugly win against the Jets, but then two losses prior to that. The Patriots are coming off of two horrible losses to Denver and San Francisco. This is a huge game. The Patriots need this game desperately, but Buffalo gets the opportunity. They have been in second and third place for the past 19 years behind the New England Patriots, and Buffalo gets a chance to stick a fork in it in Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots on Sunday. What an opportunity for the Bills and for the Patriots. It's a must-win game for them. That's going to be a good one there. The Raiders at the Browns, that's going to be a good one on Sunday. A lot of wild-card implications in that one for sure. Rams at the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa gets his first start. The Rams are 5-2. and two. Okay, Tua, guess what? You got your first start, and you get to face Aaron Donald. That should be fun. That should be a good one there. The Dolphins coming off of two straight wins. We'll see what happens there. Niners, Seahawks, we all know what that game that game's going to be crazy if it's anything like it was last season. Jimmy G, Russell Wilson, going to be crazy there. Saints at the Bears. Bears coming off of an ugly loss. The Saints coming off of a win. This could be an interesting game there too. So week eight, got some pretty interesting games there. So looking forward to that. And that would now bring us to the week seven weekly award winners for this week. So let's start with the Jerry Rice MVP award winner for this week. The candidates were 
Devontae Adams, 13 catches, 196 yards, two touchdowns. Man, he torched the Texans all afternoon. Tyler Lockett, 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Man, he was on fire in that one too. Baker Mayfield, 22 for 28, 297 yards, five touchdowns and a pick. Baker Mayfield was great. Of course, led that game-winning touchdown in the dying seconds of that one to beat the Bengals. And last but not least, Kyler Murray, 34 for 48, 360 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. The winner that you guys voted for the Jerry Rice MVP award winner for week seven was Kyler Murray for with 24 votes in second place with Tyler Lockett with 18. Kyler Murray was great. And I... There, I would probably give every single candidate here the award for this week because they all balled out. But here's what I'll say for Kyler Murray. This was a huge win for him. And for him and Cliff Kingsbury, this really was their signature win. And Kyler Murray went and balled out. Overall, Kyler Murray's had an incredible season running the football, throwing the football, really taking that next step as a leader, going out and getting DeAndre Hopkins has proved to be an excellent, excellent trade like we all thought it would. And Arizona's looking pretty dangerous right now. So Kyler Murray, the Jerry Rice MVP award winner for this week. On to the Bill Walsh Best Team Award. The candidates were the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are now 6-0 after beating the Titans. The Cleveland Browns, 5-2 on the season. The Arizona Cardinals, also 5-2. And, and the Detroit Lions, who are now 3-3, three three, making that big comeback win against the Falcons at the buzzer. The winner of this week's Bill Walsh Best Team Award, and the votes were very close for this one. The Arizona Cardinals sticking it. They've now won the Jerry Rice MVP Award winner with Kyler Murray. They've now won the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week Award, and I totally agree with this one. They won it with 13 votes. Pittsburgh and Cleveland both had 12 votes, and Detroit had 11. So a very, very close result for the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week. But the Cardinals definitely deserve this. They showed a ton of resilience, they battled through that game. They were, I think, down by 10 or 14 multiple times in that game to Seattle. But to get Russell Wilson to turn the ball over three times, that's not easy to do. Russell Wilson's been balling at a very high level so far this season. It was a great win for the Cardinals. And as I already mentioned, that really was the signature win for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray so far since they've started with the Arizona Cardinals last season. That was a big win for them. They go to 5-2, and two, tied for a top, the NFC West, and now are 2-0 and oh in the division. These NFC West games are going to be huge this year because our division is just an absolute gauntlet. On to the Cody Pickett L of the Week award. The candidates were the Patriots, enduring their worst home loss in the Bill Belichick era, losing 33-6 to the Niners. The Giants, Failing to capitalize late against the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a bunch of fails on this one. Evan Ingram missed a wide open catch to really get the get, put the game-winning field goal in, pos, in position. Couldn't do that. He dropped it. Of course, Daniel Jones tripped himself on an 80-yard touchdown run as well. But penalties killed him on that last drive as well. The Dallas Cowboys go all the way to Washington to kick a field goal. Called it a day. Steven Guskowski missed the game-winning or game-tying field goal against the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. The winner of the Cody Pickett L of the Week award that you guys voted, the Dallas Cowboys. With 19 vote, votes in second place was the Patriots with 17 votes. The Cowboys, l listen, I mean, they've dealt with a lot 
a lot of injuries have happened to this team. It's been really hard to overcome, clearly. But here's my thing. I would have thought that Mike McCarthy and this coaching staff, there would have been higher expectations for them. I think 2-5 and five at this point and going to Washington and putting up a pathetic three points, you know, I would expect more out of them because they have the talent. It's not like Dallas does not have the talent. They have the talent. And Andy Dalton's a good quarterback too. And I hope that he is going to get healthy soon and doesn't miss too much time because they got a big one against Philly. I think if they lose to Philly, I don't know. People are already not happy, including players themselves, are not happy with Mike McCarthy. This is a big win on primetime against the Eagles. Whoever is starting a quarterback for the Cowboys, I don't know, but that's going to be something. And hopefully they can score more than just three points in that one. On to the Raheem Mostert surprise of the week. The candidates were the Patriots getting blown out. Russell Wilson throwing three interceptions against the Cardinals. The Bills winning on only field goals or the Cowboys scoring only three points against Washington. The winner of the Raheem Mostert surprise of the week award was Russell Wilson throwing three interceptions. And honestly, I completely agree with this. It was shocking. Russell Wilson doesn't turn the ball over that much. But I saw a tweet that said that that Cardinals-Seahawks game reminded some people of the Seahawks-Niners game in Week 10. And Russell Wilson turned the ball over twice in that game as well. So I kind of see the similarities in that game for sure. Russell Wilson is human too. He does throw, he does turn the ball over. But three interceptions, that's very uncharacteristic of Russell Wilson. But that is most definitely the surprise of the week because... He doesn't do that very often. Hopefully the Niners can get some of that luck next week, but we'll see what happens. Of course, we end every episode with the survival pick of the week. Whoever is in your survival pools going into week eight, my picks would be the Tennessee Titans over the Cincinnati Bengals or the Kansas City Chiefs over the New York Jets. It seems like every week I'm picking whoever's playing the New York Jets, but I mean, if you want to play it safe, yeah, pick whoever the heck is playing the New York Jets because they suck. But the Titans over the Bengals, I think, is a good bet, too. The Titans are going to be upset. They want to get a win. Joe Burrow's fantastic, but the Bengals still aren't totally complete of a team. That will do it for this week's episode of the 49er Way podcast. Next week, we will have not one, but two episodes next week. One with the normal Week 8 recap, but we will have another one breaking down our mid-season awards for this NFL season so far. We would be breaking down the midseason awards for the NFL, Coach of the Year, MVP, all of that, Defensive Player of the Year. And we will also break down some 49er midseason awards. Who has been a breakout player for them? Who I think is the MVP of the 49ers so far midway through the season? Anywho, we will talk next week with that. Thank you for listening and hope everyone has a great week. And don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis.